You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 5, Episode 2. Carissa, how's it going today? It's going pretty well today. My husband and um, our good friends and neighbors, God godparents of our children who have been part of our household for COVID purposes, all went out today and got their second vaccinations. Uh, So we are almost a fully, at least adults, vaccinated household, which is nice. I went out and about on the town yesterday with uh, our friend, uh, Rebecca DePoe, who's been on the podcast before we went and we, we, she's vaccinated as well as me. So we got in my minivan and we followed a friend around town who was running the virtual Pittsburgh marathon yesterday. And it was probably the most fun I've had in a very long time, just driving around the city. You need to get out more clearly. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know this, but there's kind of been, you know, some risk factors with going out in public recently. So this was just delightful to hang out in that way. And um, spend the day outside on a nice day. So yeah, how are you doing? Anything uh, new and exciting? Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a few new and exciting things. I'm not in a place to talk about them right now, but um, I, I am. Done, done, done. Well, you know what? Actually, <laughs> we'll we'll talk a little. Um, I, I am finishing up my service on an administrative commission. Um, I don't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast or not, but uh, when a congregation goes off the rails in some way, shape, or form uh, in the Presbyterian Church, the Presbytery steps in and sometimes appoints an administrative commission to take over the day-to-day affairs of the congregation. And um, just to condense the story, uh, we are in the process of closing down the congregation, and uh, we have already sold the church building, and we got uh, a fair price for it, which is sometimes difficult when you are closing down a congregation. Mm-hmm. But uh, we found a congregation that had been saving up for just such a time as this, and uh, was able to pay us a fair market value. Uh, the The church property sold for $1.5 million. And I had the happy task last week of taking some of that money and sending out checks to various missions in the community that had been supported by this congregation. And uh, we, we, we took 10% off the top for um, benevolences. And so to call up the director of a food bank or a chapter of Habitat for Humanity and say, how would you like $40,000? You'd better believe there were some happy people on the other end of that line when I talked to them. (laughs) I'm sure. Having been in in nonprofit directing and and, uh, administration before going to seminary, I can't only imagine... (laughs) The the feeling of getting a call like that, like, hey, we got 40K sitting around for you. Would you like it? That's That had to be a good feeling for them. You know, that could easily be 5 to 10% of their annual operating budget. And yeah. to, to get that kind of donation just completely out of the blue. Um, yeah. 
you know, let's just say everybody returned my calls that day. (laughs) I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. You know, it's funny because a lot of times you hear the words administrative commission and you think, oh, dear, somebody did something really bad or the church is going to close. It's going to get ugly. Um, There's some other situations in which an administrative commission might be called in, but it's not always hopeful, fun work. So what a joy that that you got the privilege of of being part of that joyful work and continuing on the legacy of that congregation. Correct. Correct on all counts. And uh, ultimately what this meant was that the congregation got to have a legacy other than closing down a church. And mm-hmm. uh, for instance, um, that uh, that Habitat for Humanity chapter, when they were first formed, they had their office space at that church. Hmm. So nice. and and this is this is a community in New Jersey that is fairly affluent, uh, but they will be building an affordable home in that community, which uh, seems pretty odd when you uh, you know affordable housing and Monmouth County, New Jersey are rarely mentioned in the same sentence. And, uh, you know, not only are they going to build an affordable home in this uh, community, but they are going to invite me to uh, say a blessing over the new home when it's completed and uh, be there for all of the press. Um, You know, I got my picture taken at their offices to go in their newsletter to show off the check, uh, it's kind of funny because you know you see the check, but the I executive is Ed McMahon right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, we were we were inside, so of course we were masked, and it's me and the director holding the check kind of at arm's length, so that we're almost <laughs> six feet apart. <laughs> you need to make sure it's a six foot long cardboard check these days, don't you? No, That's it, so funny. It was the real bank check, but <laughs> so I. I think that, that 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 is such a great um, example of of a church continuing to to provide a legacy of love even after the church has lived out its its life cycle, right? And that's a, that's a thing that happens. Churches closing is not like a failure. It's not the end of of things, but it's just part of the life cycle of of certain communities, and um, so many go down bitter about it. And, you know, we're in first uh, John right now in the lectionary, which is love, 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 love. God is love. Jesus is love. Love God. No God. Love God. Love God. No God. Uh, love each other. No God. <laughs> no God. Love each other. Like there's all of this. Um, th- this week, the, the specific um, flavor of that is loving God by having faith in in the one who loved us so much as to die for us who came it says um, by water and blood and um, and our passage in in the gospel of John today talks about there's no greater love than laying down your life so I, I think that that's a great a great setup for the words that we have this week, the the transition from last week, we talked about love um, into this week where we've got uh, some of our, our bigger words this week. You want to lay some of those big words on us? 
Sure, I'm happy to do that. So really the the biggest word we have to tackle this week. So well, well actually I'm going to I'm not going to start with the biggest one. I'm going to start with the easiest one to define and that's a word we used a little bit last week, soteriology. Uh, would you care to give a quick definition? Soteriology, the study words about the savior. Yes. Exactly. So you heard us throwing that word around a little bit last week, probably. Um, we had a few people recommend that word as one of the big words to define. Um, we don't have a, lo- a big, long definition or a lot to dig into with that word. Um, it's just a, a section of theology, you know, just like philosophy or earth science or whatever. There's different like tracks, and that's one of them. It, it's... It's the body of Christian thinking to attempt to define who the Savior is and what the Savior does. And it it really gets into your understanding of, and this is a a scholarly term, the Jesus event. Yes. Yeah. Um, And the Jesus event that it's that it's just that it's the jesus you're you're rolling yeah you're we're when we call it the jesus event we're rolling the incarnation and the ministry and the resurrection and ascension all into one thing one intellectual category and uh and and we call it that we're going to get really nerdy here. Um, you know, it's like if you're watching Star Trek and they talk about a quantum singularity, mm. like, you know, a black hole. Um, it, it's Jesus doesn't fit any other categories. And so there aren't there aren't analogies that we can make. Uh, we just have to describe, we have to start by describing what happened and then ex- work to the why from the what. And, you know, the why begins and ends in God's love for humanity. Yes. And um, just, you know, it just occurred to me some of the, the terms that you used. When we, when we talk about different parts of Jesus' life, the reason it's kind of easier to use terms like Jesus' event is because we're talking about the whole Jesus thing that happened. Uh, which is often broken down into pieces in theology. So we talk about the incarnation, and that is the act of Jesus, um, you know, God coming down in human form to earth um, as a person walking around in history with us. So, um, you know, the direct thing we might point to in that case would be the Christmas story that we that we go through every year. Um, and then... Jesus has this whole life and ministry that happens, um, 33 years of life and the last three or so of, of ministry. And then... Or the one, cruci- depending on the gospel. Right. It really depends on <laughs> which which gospel writer. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that at some point, too, when we t- talk about those things. Uh, why are there four different gospels and they they don't all agree on everything? Um and then we've we've got the crucifixion 
And um, a lot of times when people talk about salvation, when they talk about um, the Savior, soteriology, um, atonement and reconciliation are some terms we're going to get into today. Those are often um, aligned primarily with the crucifixion. And as we talk about this, I'll talk about why I think that's problematic. Um, and, and you may do that as well, Alan. I'm not quite sure where you're, <laughs> where you're headed with stuff today. Um, we're a little less prepared than we always are for this. We just, you know, decided to wing it. But, um, and then you've got the resurrection. Interestingly, often we skip over the part where it says, you know, Jesus hung out with the dead for mm -hmm. a while. And mm -hmm. the, the questions of that. And we're not going into that today. If someone has a burning desire to, to think, to think through that with us, let us know. Um, but then resurrection, that's Easter ascension, which actually is happening, um, in the next week or two here, we're going to have ascension day. Uh, I think it's next week. I'm not entirely sure what day it is because it, it kind of has to be before Pentecost. Right. Um, ascension is on the 13th this yeah. year so it's next week it's next mm -hmm. week um, there's a whole day for it believe it or not for ascension yeah but it's not a sunday so right so ascension day is usually on a thursday and sometimes we'll celebrate it on sunday i try to to work it in there on that sunday before pentecost um we had a seminary professor who was very insistent that ascension day needed to be a huge deal um but and then the next the next thing is Pentecost and we'll talk about Pentecost and pneumatology more later. But I, I don't think that that can be separated from salvation. I don't think that can be separated from Jesus. No, and and this is why I think some of us talk about the Jesus event. We don't. We we need to look at the incarnation holistically. We need to consider all of the things. And not just focus on the blood. Yeah, yeah. Some um, some soteriologies, some theologies of salvation are kind of gory, kind of bloody, um, and we don't want to dismiss the violence of what happened to Jesus. We cannot dismiss the violence of what happened. To Jesus, we must recognize that, especially when we read passages like we did this week, where greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for a friend. That's coming out of the mouth of someone who's about to be beaten brutally, nailed to a big piece of wood, hung out to die, um, you know, and it just tortured to death. We can't forget the violence of that event, but we also need to be careful to realize that, um, the violence of that event cannot be the whole of our theology. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, or at least one of, one of the reasons, I think one of the biggest reasons for that is because when we focus so much on, on um, the violent part of this sacrifice, um, it begins to become a little transactional. It becomes a little transactional. It is a... Jesus did this, so we pray a magic prayer and we're good for our sins. And it's fuller than that. It's bigger than that. Um, you know, there is, we, we do need to address this whole, like, 
sin is real bad and gets us in trouble and disconnects us from God. And um, we cannot forget that. But we also need to be careful. So when I was a, a little child, about five or six years old, some of the teachers at the, the Christian school, Christian elementary school I went to, um, talked about how if we didn't pray this prayer to ask Jesus to live in our hearts, which is a terrible term to use with five-year-olds because five-year-olds are pretty literal still, right? Like they're not very philosophical yet. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Okay. Um, and uh, if we didn't do that, we were going to go to hell and hell sounded real scary. I did not want to have anything to do with that. Um, so I, I prayed this magic prayer. But then, you know, this, the, the, the faith that came from that was kind of one dimensional for me. Um, so I don't think there was anything about that one moment that was magical that changed my, my relationship with God. It was fire insurance for me. It was like trying to stay out of hell for me. Um, because I think before that I knew that God was with me and I know that after that I knew that God was with me. Um, but that, that never quite seemed right. Um, the, you know, the, the journey is bigger than that for most folks. Or it ought to be. Fair enough. (laughs) Or it ought to be. Right. Right. Um, we have to be constantly growing, um, and, and paying attention to all of the pieces of this, paying attention to what does, what does resurrection mean? What does it mean that, that, Everyone will be freed from the shackles of this life that ends in physical death. What does that, what does that mean for us? Like, that's a huge deal. What does it mean that Jesus came for the whole world? That doesn't just mean a world of individuals. It doesn't mean that every individual in the world, right? That means the whole world. So each person but also each family, each community, the, the world itself, creation, even. And, and so we lose so much of that depth of, of atonement and reconciliation, which are our other two big words for today. You want to take a crack at either of those, Alan? Or? Yeah, let's, let, I, I would love to take a, take a crack at reconciliation. Um, I, I think that this is one of the most important parts of living into that call to love one another. Um, Sin, you know, this is something we spend a lot of time talking about, defining sin. And sin is anything that separates us from God. And uh, There's not a list? (laughs) <laughs> uh do, do you mean besides the ten commandments do you mean wait we had a series on that didn't we <laughs> it sounds familiar it uh sounds familiar. yeah it does it does we should probably just throw a link there because i, I think we don't need to to rehash that whole <laughs> no. no we don't uh but but if you if you want to broaden it out uh sin is anything that interrupts our relationship with God. And remember, we are called to love God and to love one another. We love one another because God loves everyone and we are to reflect God's love. So sin is also that which keeps us separated from one another. Um, We have a wonderful 
confessional statement in the Presbyterian Church USA, and a number of other denominations recognize this statement as well, called the Confession of Belar, which comes out of apartheid-era South Africa, and it says very simply, separation is sin. Any policy that uh, they're, they're speaking to the rea- reality of the apartheid system in South Africa, but any policy that officially separates one group of people from another, any policy that gets in the way of loving one another as Jesus has loved us, is sin. So we reconcile ourselves to God, or we are reconciled to God, first and foremost through Jesus. Uh, we reconcile ourselves to God from individual sin also through confession, and we also have to reconcile ourselves to one another. Uh, that's, you know, we we do that in a Presbyterian worship service in the passing of the peace. We uh, first we can before we pass the peace we confess our sins, uh, then somebody, either the liturgist or the pastor, offers um, an assurance of pardon to say that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. And then we pass the peace. Um, and ideally, we reconcile with one another, though I, I think we all know people in churches who have nursed grudges for years. And if you don't, Wait. Yeah, wait. We, 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 can, we can make some introductions if you really want to see what that's like. Or if you don't know someone who's doing that, it's possible it's because the someone who's doing that is nursing a grudge against you. <laughs> and nobody wants to tell you. They're scared to tell you. Yeah. So we do have some sins, specific sins that are called out in scripture. Murder, for example. Don't do that. That's bad. Avoid it right? Um, idolatry. No, that's a big no-no. Um, both over idolatry and the little idolatries that we talk about often in this, this you, podcast. You, you mean the soft idolatries? Good name drop, buddy. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Those things that aren't like bowing down before a golden calf, but they are also like putting your financial wealth in front of you know, a neighborhood that uh, is falling apart or something like, you know, like the betterment of the community, whatever. Um, yeah. And I, I think that um, that gets us to the heart of, a, of atonement, which is our next our next word. And I'm going to, of course, define this from a pretty Presbyterian perspective. So for all of our ecumenical brothers and sisters out there, interdenominational here, you may have a different a different take on this. Um, but the, we always come from a reformed uh place that's just baked into who we are as as theologians here but um atonement is as i hinted at before um not so the atonement is how are we fixed from our sin is is a very nutshell uh definition of that word atonement is being fixed from the sin or or having it wiped clean there's a lot of different terminology that's used for that washed by the blood of the lamb would be one of the the bloodier ones um but it's the process by which jesus has saved us from our sin right 
and that you know we we need to practice caution that we are not seeing that as a every single sin we do has a specific price right because that's when we can get into hierarchies of sins where well that guy's a murderer so he Jesus died more for him <laughs> Then he had to die for me because all I am is proud, right? Um, and so we, we need to be careful with that. And we need to bring in this idea of full reconciliation of all people, all things, all creation, all of that as part of that idea of atonement. And to look at all of Jesus' story. The sacrifice that was made on the cross is big deal, very powerful, Right. Um, and, and God knew that would, that would happen, that violence would happen to Jesus. Um, but there's all this life and ministry that happens beforehand. There is the very fact that God walked around on the planet with people. There's something so powerful about that too. And if we look only at the cross, I think we, we miss that. So I think we, I, I argue for a fuller atonement, um, that it's not a transactional sort of thing, that it is God's choice to come down and love us and restore relationship with us, um, not to make bail for us. Yes. And, and beyond that, not just to tell us, you have to reconcile yourselves to one another, but to actually show us what that reconciliation looks like to model for us how reconciliation looks and feels and then to model for us what living a reconciled life looks like which is what we see in the books of acts and some of the letters from the apostles uh, what the early church looks like is reconciliation it's it's the movement of the Holy Spirit. I realize I'm getting a little ahead of our podcasting schedule, but the the Holy Spirit does that. Um, no, seriously, though, the, there is this tremendous growth in the early church because people are busy reconciling themselves to one another, and it takes off like crazy. Reconciliation works. I'm going to try really hard not to bring up the fact that I went to Rwanda a couple of years ago <laughs> to, to study reconciliation and Too community late. trauma. Um, but I think that that's a great example of where it's not just two parties that need to be reconciled, but it is um, an entire country that needed to find reconciliation with one another. And they're still working through that. Um but yeah, I think that we need to, um, we need to look at that. We need to, and it's good that we have all these different, like, you know, trajectories, like pieces of, of theology, these different tracks in theology, disciplines, uh, specialities. What is the word that I'm looking for that I cannot find right now? Uh, but you know what I mean? The, the narrow paths, um, you know, my, my jam is, um, is missiology. That's what I'm, I'm getting my doctorate in, uh, which is the study of, of how mission works or doesn't in many cases. <laughs> um, it's pretty sordid history there of Christian mission in the world. But, um, you know, we, we need 
all of these pieces coming together and it's it's okay to have one thing that really moves you more than another uh, but it's also important to to put them all together so we don't find ourselves in a shallow place no we 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 must not cling to shallow theologies but we have to see the theology as the entry point for us into the work of doing what Jesus calls us to do, which is to love one another. Uh, The theology is the explanation of that call to love. It's the explanation that we are not loving in return for our eternal salvation. Um, but we are loving because we know that this possibility is out there and we are reflecting God's love to everyone around us. And that, you know, that's what the scriptures for this week tell us, like faith is loving people and that can get us in trouble (laughs) to the point of death sometimes, but faith is loving people. Faith is doing the loving thing. Um, and not just for each individual in your life, but doing the loving thing for the world that God loved so much that he sent his son to die. And I, I, yeah, I think that that's really key. I, I think that that kind of says it all. And that might be a good stopping point for today. So, um, yeah, so don't forget, uh, if you have some more words that you want to hit, let us know. Um, catch us on social media or on the website. You can find out how to get in touch with us. And we're still, we've got a, a long trajectory scheduled, I think, for this series. So we'll have plenty of time to work work some stuff in. Um, Alan, would you like to pray us out of here? Absolutely. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this holy and sacred call to love one another. We thank you for the example which you have provided for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, which ignites in us the fire to do this work. We ask that you continue to pour your Holy Spirit out upon us, to open our eyes and ears and hearts and minds to all of the ways that we can love one another, and in doing so, love you. We, we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.